What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. Anybody excited to be here today? All right. Hey, why don't you tell the person next to you that you're excited that they're here today? Just go ahead. Good to see you. All right. Everybody's in a good mood, laughing, smiling. We're not going to be in a few minutes. That's why we're doing it now, all right? Hey, but for real, we're going to talk about something today. Um, and I'll get to it in a second, but I want to say this. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, something that's going to be really cool. So if you know anybody who's been saying, hey, what's Revolution about? What's their mission? What, what, are they gonna, what do they stand for? What makes Revolution different? Next week is going to be the week to be here. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about what we talked about on our vision night on, on Wednesday, which we had over 120 people at. That was awesome. But we're going to kind of condense it a little bit and just show you why we're going to do what we do and why we do what we do. But today... We're going to have a conversation on a topic. that This is a topic that I wish we would talk about more. It's a topic that we've all dealt with, but here's kind of the, the position I'm in. We're going to talk about it, and it's going to get pretty heavy pretty quick and pretty serious pretty quick, and not going to be a lot of jokes or funny stories today. But I believe today, if we open our ears and hearts what God has to say to us, that this may be something that you need to hear or something that you can put in your back pocket that you need later in life, or maybe you can help somebody out with in their faith later later on. But let me ask you a question to get right to it. It's this question. Do you ever get tripped up by doubt? Do you ever get tripped up by doubt? Anybody ever doubted anything? Go ahead. Just in general, when I'm talking about faith, you just doubt something relationally, financially, faith-wise. You, you just doubt something. Like doubt is part of all of our lives. Like I could be right now say this. That this could be the best talk you've ever heard. And some of you are thinking, doubt it. Like we hear you every week. It ain't going to be that good, man, right? Or maybe you're a sports fan. Around here, you know, you got Purdue and IU and we got Colts. Every season, you guys are like, man, this is our year. Oh, this is our year. I've been Purdue fan my whole life. We're like, this is our year. You know what it is? It isn't our year. And the world says, doubt it, right? Or maybe, this is for all of us. Anybody got like a beach vacation or cruise coming up? Come on, some of you. All right. And you're like, it's cold right now. And you're like, hey, I got to get ready for this beach. And I got to get my beach body. And you wake up, you've been hitting the gym. You, you walk in front of that mirror and you know what your body says? Doubt it, right? You got to get whatever body you get at that beach. That's what everybody's got to get. And then you have real doubts, right? Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant, and you keep trying and trying, and you know, that could be fun, right? But then you get the, you see the pregnancy test, and it says, no, that's not so fun. It says, doubt it. Maybe financially, you're like, hey, this is the year I get debt-free. And then a little word that you don't talk about much comes on the, the scene. Inflation, it says, doubt it. Not going to happen this year. Maybe you're like, I want our marriage to work. It's, it's on the rocks. This relationship isn't working. Like, we're struggling. You're like, I want it to work. And you just hear that whisper, doubt it, doubt it, doubt it. Or maybe you're here and you're just in this spot and you're like, I hear God loves me. I hear God works everything together for his good. I hear that God does all these awesome things, but I don't see it in my life. And I'm doubting it right now. And you're here, but you're like, I, I don't know what I believe. And you're on that tipping point of like, I don't know what's next. And I think all of us have a doubt list. We doubt our abilities. We doubt ourselves. We doubt things can change. We doubt relationships. We doubt faith. We doubt God. And there's so many things that we doubt. So this, this week I, I went on this journey. of like, why is doubt something that we all share? Why does doubt creep up? And not just our faith, but in all these other areas. And I found something. It says that doubt trips us up really because three things happen in our life. It's either when things we believe should happen, 
should never happen happen. And so it's like, hey, we believe if God was really good, then injustices wouldn't happen. Sex trafficking wouldn't happen. Cancer wouldn't happen. All of these things should never happen. And so we start to doubt. Or maybe in your relationship, you think, well, this should never happen. And then you start to doubt your partner when it happens. Or you're like, hey, I, I think I should get a raise, but then it doesn't happen. So I start to doubt. So when things we believe should never happen, happen. And then there's this. When things we believe should, ne- should happen, never happen, right? And so it's like, hey, we don't think these things should ever happen, and they happen. And then there's another thing. When things we believe, this is really good, when things we believe should happen now, happen much later. Doubt, be, doubt gets in our lives often when it comes to our faith because we pray something now, ask something now, we get silence, we get inactivity, and we want God to move, and God moves, but it's later. And so there's a gap between what we think should happen and what happens, and all of a sudden there's this doubt bubble. And then doubt becomes this strong emotional thing. And we all experience differently. We're going to talk about emotion we all share in common with doubt, but we all experience doubt differently, and it all attacks us differently, and it attacks our faith differently, and we, we attack it in our relationships differently, and our work differently. But often there becomes a snowball effect. And all of us have doubted. We've, we've raised our hand. We've all had it. And then maybe, just maybe, you, you come in this point where you're like, I don't know what's next. And I, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to think. Maybe you're like King David. I'm going to read a psalm in a second. King David was the man who killed Goliath. Right? Slayed the giant. It says that David was a mighty warrior. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. That him and God, though David had some struggles, they were locked down. They had a good relationship. And this is what it says at one point in David's life. He's going through a a moment of turmoil. It's a situation where emotionally he's feeling it. And this is this guy who's a mighty warrior, a, a victor. He's like a man's man. And these are the emotions that he feels. And maybe you've been there. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? You ever feel forgotten? You ever feel like, hey, God, why aren't you answering? Why aren't you, why aren't you remembering me? Are you going to forget me forever? He gets a little dramatic there, right? Like, forever? How long will you look the other way? You're looking at everybody else, but how, lo- how long until you look back at me? How lo- and listen to this. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? This isn't just a bad day. All right, this is, he, he's feeling it. Whatever he's feeling, he's feeling it very strongly. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me. Just answer me, O Lord. My God, restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. He's like, you got to do something. Something's got to change. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And he's feeling it. We don't know what he's going through. We don't know exactly what, but he is feeling it. And I've been at this job long enough to know that there's people who can have the strongest faith and something happens. All of a sudden, this, they come to my office and say, man, this is how I feel. I don't know what to do. My answer is, I don't know what to do either right now. I I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this that shouldn't happen is happening. I don't know why this that should happen isn't happening. I I don't know. So I want to navigate through this today because this could be the difference between keeping a faith that lasts or being rocked by doubt. This could be the difference of your kids keeping their faith and you being able to answer some of their questions. This could be the difference between making it or not making it. So the first thing I just want to say is if you have doubts, welcome, right? We're glad you're here. God can handle your doubts. Doubt is part of the process. And I want to say this, that your doubts don't have to take you away from God. 
Matter of fact, what you can see is if we learn how to navigate through doubts, the, the answer is not going to be don't have doubt. I'm not going to tell you that. The answer is going to be what do I do in these seasons? How do I navigate with the, this doubt that I have? Because often if we can learn to, to turn the script on doubt, it, it can actually draw us closer to God, even, even when we don't have the answers that we want. So I think you have to understand this, that faith is a journey. I think so many times we sit up here and we can convince you and maybe we do it unintentionally. Some people do it on purpose that, hey, you're going to get to this point that someday you have a master's and a PhD in faith. You're going to get to the point where, hey, you got it all figured out, man. You, got, you are the bee's knees of Jesus' business. Like, you know what's going on with Jesus. You know all the verses. You know all the, you know all the stories. You know all of it. You got it figured out. We're not going to get to that point. Faith is, is not a destination. It's a journey. And if you think about a journey, if, you, if, if, you were, if your life was a journey and you were just walking the wrong life, life has ups and downs, right? It's not all good. It, sometimes you got to hike places you don't want to hike. You got to do things you don't want to do. It's a journey. And on that journey, what, you're going to go through a couple things. One, you're going to go through a season of doubt, out of the season of di- a doubt, or right before a season of doubt. You're either in it, or right out of it, or you're going into it, right? There's that, that happens. And, and so faith is this journey. And when we have doubt, I love what I heard what someone said. He said, when, when we have doubt, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It, it's like one of those um, famous, the words that husbands don't like to hear. Babe, it's time to talk because we don't want to talk, right? Like, we don't want to talk about nothing, right? Well, it's time to process. It's time to talk. Even if we don't want to talk, we got to talk. And because unchecked and unaddressed doubt can erode your faith. There's a word called erosion. It's the gradual destruction of something. If you want to see it play out in live action, 4 o'clock at the YMCA, you can watch my basketball skills after I'm 30, right? It's the gradual destruction of something. And it wasn't very gradual. It's like jumping off a cliff. But erosion is the gradual destruction of something. It's something that is getting destroyed slowly over time. It's like a beach with, with water and sand, or it's with like uh, trees and wind or rock formations. All that erodes over time. The elements attack and something erodes. Our faith is the same way. If you have this doubt and you have these issues that you're struggling with and you're not addressing them, it's going to start to slowly pull you further and further and further from God. Because doubt is going to be a heavy cloud. Instead, we got to take this doubt and say, I, I got to deal with this. We got to deal with the emotions. And often, what we start finding is in seasons of doubt, in seasons of saying, God, what are you doing? This is what we say Does God care? Is God there? Is God concerned about my life? In your darkest moments, the hardest moments of your faith, and when life is tough, when you have a sickness, you have a diagnosis, you have a divorce, you have something unexpected come in your life, I guarantee you, you'll start to ask questions. Does God care about me? Is God there? And is God concerned about my life? Does my life matter? Does my story matter? Does God still love me? Is what I believe true? Or am I just believing something that is not true? And so I, I want to tell you that the, the promise is this, that God has not left you and how you feel matters to him. And so when you have doubt, it matters. When you're going through emotions, it matters. And you're like, hey, Nathan, you're paid to say that. How do you say that? Well, I go to one verse. It's called John 3.16, the most famous verse of all time. It says, for this is how God loved the world. What you could do is, for this is how God loved you. Put your name right here. 
This is how God loved you. This is how God proved once and for all that you matter. This is how God proved once and for all that even in your season of doubt, this is how God proved even when things aren't going your way, even when life is hard, even when you pray for yes and he says no, this is how you can be certain that God loves you. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes him shall not perish but have eternal life. It settled it. He says right here, this is how you know that I care for you, I love you, and I'm never going to leave you. But that's still hard to navigate through in that moment. So here's what I want to do. I want to take you to a real example of this in the Bible. Because if you doubt and you have doubts and you have these emotions, you're not, you're not alone and you're not in bad company. There's a man in Luke chapter 7 named John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. Good, we're listening. John the Baptist. And we heard about John the Baptist earlier in Luke because he's the cousin of Jesus. Imagine being the cousin of Jesus at family reunions. How would that work out, right? Like, I'm good. He's even better, right? Like, John the Baptist was awesome. And he was born to prophesy. He was born with God touching his life and saying, John, you're going to do amazing things for me. You're going to preach, you're going to teach, and you're going to be the one who tells the world that Jesus is here. And he does all that. And he comes out of the wilderness looking like a wild man eating locusts and honey. And he starts to preach and teach. And eventually he baptizes Jesus He's like, this is amazing. He is the Messiah. He's the one. And he has this amazing faith. Jesus said this about John the Baptist. And if I was John the Baptist, this is the only thing I would put on my headstone. I tell you that all of who, I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. And I would put hashtag Jesus said that and walk away, right? But I tell you, all of you have ever lived, none is greater than John. Jesus, John is amazing. When it comes to faith, John has it locked down. Well, that was about four chapters ago. And a lot's changed since we've seen John last. John's under house arrest. Well, sorry, he's in a dungeon now. He, he's, uh, he's in jail now. He's arrested. You guys want to hear why he's arrested? It's kind of a crazy story. There's a king named King Herod. King Herod comes on the scene in one of the gospel accounts when he had, he, he's the king when Jesus is born and he tries to kill all the babies. Well, he has a son. King Herod Antipas. And King Herod, his son, was a little bit of a wild man. Anybody know some wild people? He's real wild, right? And it's like Jerry Springer on steroids. He, he eventually marries and sleeps with his niece. I told you, I didn't make it up, right? Like, and that was weird back then, and it's weird today, right? It wasn't normal then, it wasn't normal today. And so he, he marries his niece, she becomes the queen, he's the king. Well, John the Baptist, he's like, hey, I gotta preach the truth. I'm gonna use King Herod Antipas and his wife as an example of things not to do, right? That's a political leader. Well, as you can imagine, the niece wife didn't like that very much. You don't talk smack about me. So she has John the Baptist arrested. Now that's the, that's the Cliff Notes version of all that, but that's what happens, okay? It's crazy. So John the Baptist is in prison because he was using the king and his wife, who's his niece, as an example of things not to do. Anybody would do that. Like that's, that's the easiest thing to talk about. All right, they, he does that and he gets arrested for preaching the gospel, for preaching this. And he's in jail. And then this happens in Luke 7, 18. It says, The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. I want you to imagine you're arrested for preaching the gospel. Your disciples come to you. And why the disciples of John are coming is because that's how John would eat. The prisoners would be able to have food brought to them by their loved ones. And so that's what's going on here. 
And they come to John and say, hey, John, we know you're under arrest and we know you're in the dungeon, but bro, you're not going to believe this. This is all the amazing things that Jesus is doing. He's doing this and he's doing that. He's asked fishermen to follow him. He's casting out demons. He raised the dead from the, uh, the dead. He's like, all these things are happening. John the Baptist is like, and I'm sitting in jail for this dude? Makes no sense. Why am I in jail? So John, he, he's kind of up in his feelings a little bit, as you would be too. He called two of his disciples, and he sent them, listen to what he says, to the Lord to ask him. Here's a question. Context. John has preached that Jesus is the Messiah. John has given his whole life to preach the coming Messiah. And he said Jesus was that dude. But here's the question right now. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? After all John had seen, after all he believed, after all he preached, after baptizing Jesus in the water, declaring he was the Messiah, he's sitting in the dungeon, sitting in jail, for how long? We don't know. Six months, a year, a year and a half. And all of a sudden, his doubts start to grow. He says, are you the one? Are you the one or should I look for someone else? Are you this Messiah? Are you the one that my parents told me about? Are you the one that the prophets prophesied about? Are you going to save us or not? Because right now, right here, I know I've been told my entire life what it was going to look like, but I don't know if you're that dude. So Jesus, are you the one? Because this doesn't make any sense to me. And this isn't what I expected. You ever been there? I, I thought God was, I thought if I give my life to Jesus, this would happen and this would happen. But now this is happening and this doesn't make any sense to me. And this isn't what I expected. John had some expectations, and when expectations go unmet, often creates doubt. Here's what he expected. He expected that the Messiah, just like the other religious people expected, they expected the Messiah to come, but not just a guy that was going to ask fishermen to follow him, not a guy who's going to say, love your enemy, not a guy who's going to say, turn your other cheek, but a military leader who was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, sit on a giant throne, and all of their followers were going to live in this new powerful kingdom that God was going to establish that would never be defeated. And they were right about one thing. Jesus will bring a kingdom that won't be defeated and will last forever. But remember, it's an upside down kingdom. It's not what we expect. So John expected a military king. Expected Jesus to ride in with fire and a sword and destroy the Roman Empire. But now he's asking fishermen to follow him. He, he's healing people. He's saying, love your enemy. He's doing all these things. And it's not what he expected. So he's like, hey, cuz, I thought you loved me, dude. I'm here because of you. I'm here because I'm preaching what your father wants me to preach. And you're helping people who have nothing to do with you. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm sitting in jail and you're healing them. Like, when are you going to come and rescue me? When's it my time? So I got a question for you. Are you the one? Like, or am I just believing this because my parents told me to believe this? Am I just believing this because I got caught up in the moment? Like, is this real? Just tell me something. Are you the one? And he's sitting in a room that looks like this. It's a dungeon. And he's sitting in this dungeon. And his doubts are growing and growing and growing. Now, 
there wouldn't be light in here and there would be no red light. But I want you to imagine that this is where you're living. And you're here because you follow Jesus, because you're preaching good news. You're here because, you, you did, not because you didn't do anything wrong, but you got arrested and you're sitting in this dungeon. And let me tell you about a dungeon. It would be dark. It would be dungy, you know, wet, nasty. And some of you are like, man, that looks like my basement right now. But yeah, it would be like this, okay? It, it would have maybe food scraps all over the floor. It would smell really bad. Do you guys see a, a toilet anywhere in here? It's the first century. Where do you think they're going to go to the bathroom? On the floor, okay? Just saying, right? It's going to be nasty. They clean every once in a while. But this is where John was. This is where John was. And there's no iPhone chargers, okay? No TikTok. And as you're sitting in there, and you hear about all this awesome things that everybody else is getting, but God's not doing anything for you. And you're in the dungeon. And I love that illustration of doubt in the dungeon because doubt grows in the dungeon. And what I mean by that is doubt grows in the dungeons of our mind. And what doubt does is it's this dark cloud that follows us everywhere. Because when you have doubt, whether it's in your faith, in your relationships, in your abilities, what happens is it's a cloud that starts to follow you. It's a cloud that comes when you get a diagnosis. It's a cloud that comes when things don't work out. And it's following you everywhere. And you don't see a way out. It's like, I don't see a way things get better. I don't see a way that I'm going to make it through this. I don't see how God is ever going to recover from this in my mind. I don't see, I don't see, I don't see. And it's said in those moments when we have doubt, there's a, a shared common emotion that everybody has. Now this emotion manifests itself in different ways. I'm not going to show you the word. I'm just going to show you a picture of the emotion. It's right here. And some of you are like, man, that's my husband. To that, say, so he's a short, angry little dude, isn't he? Look at him. Anybody know someone who just explodes like that? Whitney, keep your hand down. Come on now. I see you in the back there. But we get angry. That's a common shared emotion, a common response by all of us. And we all manifest it differently. But we get angry and we start to say, God, where are you? And God, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing it? And what are you doing? Like, what is going on? God, what's going on? You said you love me. You said you care for me. And now all this is happening. So John is, is sitting there. He's like, Jesus, what is the, what's the problem here? I'm your cousin. Of all people, you should rescue. Rescue me. What is going on? And he's sitting in that dark, dungy, stinking dungeon. And what's happening is doubt is growing because doubt grows in the dark. And we have to realize that doubt grows in the dark. And that's why we don't panic, but we process. Because we gotta, we got to realize that doubt grows in the dark. And when it grows in the dark, that means it can go stronger and stronger if it's not brought into the light. So we have to bring it to the light. And so what John does is he does the best possible thing we can do with our doubt. He brings it to Jesus. And the best possible thing you can do with your doubt is bring it to Jesus. So John sends his disciples and they find Jesus and they say hey John the Baptist you may remember him he's your cousin well he's riding in jail and he's, he's asking he sent us to ask you a question are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else and notice what Jesus does he doesn't say hey how dare you doubt how dare you question me get away from me he doesn't do all that he goes hey you, you want to know who I am you want to know if I'm the Messiah so at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, their illness, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell my cousin 
I'm that man. I'm that dude. Go back and tell John what you've seen. That the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life. What Jesus is doing here is he's, he knows that all the prophets, or some of the prophets, talked about what the Messiah would look like. That the Messiah would heal the blind, the lame would walk, and heal those of leprosy. He says, go tell John that. And tell him that the good news is being preached to the poor. He says, go tell John that. He wants to know if I'm the dude. Go tell him what's happening. And why I love this is because it, it just shows us that Jesus meets us in our doubt. Because Jesus knew that if John heard this, he's going to be encouraged a little bit. He may not like the circumstances and he may not like the situation, but John is going to be realizing, hey, it wasn't a lie. That Jesus is who he says he is. That this is the one that God promised. And that Jesus meets us in our doubt. He met John in his doubt and he meets us. And then it gets really, really good. And this is the part at times, I wish I could give you a different answer for. At times, I, I wish I could say this and everything would be okay. But this is the part where it gets really good. John's disciples leave. Jesus turns and he addresses, addresses the crowd. And he's addressing us. And listen to what he says. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Everybody say me. This is Jesus talking. It's not just some preacher. It's not just some dude. It's Jesus. And what? God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. And there's something going on here. It's a confession of guilt. What do you mean it's a confession of guilt? It's a confession of guilt of Jesus saying, I know the way I move my inaction and my actions and I know the way I, I answer some prayers and don't answer others and how sometimes my timeline doesn't line up with yours I know it's going to cause you to doubt but blessed are you who don't fall away because of me see Jesus anticipated our doubt he knew this is so crazy he knew that we would doubt sometimes when, when life happens. And he knew, and he's telling us right up front, that every time you pray for a yes, that's not always going to happen. And sometimes things are going to happen in your life that you don't want to happen. He anticipated that. And he anticipated our feelings. He anticipated John's feelings. And he says, blessed is the person. Blessed. Not just awesome is the person, but blessed is the person. He's like, blessed is the person who can understand this, even though it's hard to do, even though it's hard to live out. Blessed is the person that does not get tripped up when I don't do what they think I should do. And all of us have had moments in our life when we thought God should do something and he doesn't do it. We all th thought at times in our life when we thought God shouldn't do something and that happens. And Jesus says, Blesses that person who follows anyways. Blesses that person when there's inaction in your life and God seems silent that doesn't walk away. Blesses that person who trusts me. He says, go tell John all this. And blessed if he believes me in spite of me. And so then we have doubts. And doubt comes. We have anger. We have these emotions. And you know what Jesus says in all of that with this one verse? 
Jesus says, I understand. And I get it. And he's talking to this crowd. And they're saying, then, then Jesus, just go, go rescue John the Baptist. Go rescue him. He's a legend. We know him. All of them would have known John. And he's like, they're like, go do something. Send an angel. Do something. And Jesus says, you don't see the bigger picture now, but one day you will. I'm not going to rescue John. You know what happens to John? He's beheaded. I told you it wasn't going to be fun today, right? I told you, right? But he's beheaded. He's beheaded by this king. And we don't really know what happened, you know, where John's faith was at, at all this, but we know what Jesus is saying to the crowd. He, he says that John was the greatest man to ever live, be born of a woman besides me. And I know you don't, always don't understand the bigger plan. I know some of you wanted me to heal him and wanted me to rescue him, but I, but I didn't. There's a plan that you don't see it. You have limited perception. I know it's hard to understand, but he says, I get you. I understand you. And Jesus is telling us that just because he doesn't work the way you thought doesn't mean he doesn't care. And that's a very, very hard thing to understand, isn't it? It's a very, very hard thing to understand. And you're, you're probably thinking, like, man, that's easy for you to say, dude. But you don't know my life. And I don't know your life. You don't know my story. I don't know your story. I don't know your struggles. But I know everybody has struggles. And everybody has a life. And this is really hard to deal with and navigate. You know, I get people coming to me all the time, like, hey, Nathan, you said this. And I'm like, I did say that. But this happened. It's like, I, I don't know why. I don't, I, I don't know why that happened. I, I don't know what God's doing. And it's really hard to watch. It's really hard to watch people. And I've been through this. Whitney and I were engaged, man, a long time ago now. Um, we got engaged, and not too long after we got engaged, and some of you know the story, Whitney's dad has... Troy had a massive stroke. And Troy was an awesome man. He, he was awesome. He was a good father, good husband, a godly man, served his church, was a really, really good dude, a really good man. I was looking forward to getting to know him. He was awesome. He had a stroke, and he didn't die from the stroke right then, but his life was forever changed. Whitney's family's life was forever changed. He was, was paralyzed, was in and out of hospital, couldn't take care of himself at all anymore. He was totally dependent on, on his wife, Shelly. And here he is, this, this Christian man who had, comes from a very good Christian home and wife was in ministry and raising good Christian kids. And here he is, having a stroke, not able to walk, being paralyzed. And I watched Whitney and her mom and, dad, her mom and her brother and her dad pray every day for something. God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. And I watched for a year, a no, a no, a no, and a no. And I watch them struggle with doubt, doubt and, I, and I struggle with doubt. Because it's hard to watch ones you love go through something painful, isn't it? Sometimes worse than yourself, right? And so they're going through this. And time passes on, and luckily, you know, Whitney and I get married in January, and Troy gets to be there in this amazing moment, and had all these pre precious moments. And then Troy dies about a month, passes away about a month later. It's like, that makes no sense, does it? He's 47 years old. Never gets to see his grandkids. How's that fair? How's that fair? It's not. But then I got to go to the celebration of life. And we got to spend a long time, and it was a long funeral. Troy was, had a lot, a lot of people who loved him. I got to watch people talk about Troy's faith. And I got to hear about how Troy didn't lose his faith to the very, very end. And to the very end, Troy said, hey, it's okay. I know where I'm going. And he didn't like it. He didn't love it. 
but he trusted. In spite of the way Jesus moved, in spite of the inaction of God, he trusted. And it's hard. It's hard. So you're like, man, what a buzzkill today, right? So where's the hope? Well, here, here's the hope. Doubt and questions are, are part of the journey. So if you have those and you have, you're processing that, it's part of the journey. It's part of the process. But there's hope in that. And if you do doubt, you do have questions, you're, you're in great company. Moses, Abraham, the book of Job, David, you got Paul, you got Peter, you got the disciple Thomas, all of them doubted. And then Jesus would tell them and show them over and over again. He wouldn't scold them for their doubt. He was saying, I know that my inactivity, I know my yeses and my noes, they don't make sense to you. But blessed are you who still believe in me, even when the answer is no. He says, there's a hope. There's a hope that no matter what you go through, he kind of says it this way best. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Doubt is a heavy burden. He's like, you're going to have burdens, but I'll give you rest because I'll take the burden. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. The restlessness you find, the restlessness you have because of doubt, the restlessness you have because the world is beating you down. And you have all these questions. In me, you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I'll carry the burden. Psalm 23 says that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, because your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And the promise has never been, and I wish I could tell you, because if I was a different preacher, I believe in different things, I would say, just pray this prayer, give this money, everything would be okay. But I don't believe that. And I wouldn't be telling you this if I didn't absolutely believe this to be true. That the promise is not that we won't have hard times, that we won't have doubt. The promise is not that we always get a yes. The promise is that sometimes no is going to be a no, and it's not going to change. You, don't, you know, may never understand it, but the promise is, that he will always be with us. That he will carry the burden if we allow him to. So Jesus says, tell John the Baptist, blessed is the person that trusts me and believes in me and follows me in spite of me. And if we can get to that point, even though it's hard and it's difficult, say, Jesus, I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. I might hate it. It might hurt. But I'm going to trust you in spite of you right now. In spite of your inaction, in spite of your answer, I'm going to trust you. And I just want to leave you with one promise today. It's that Jesus loves you and he's with you even when you don't feel it or see him. He's with you and he loves you. You never have to question if he loves you. He says, you never have to question that. And blessed are you who can keep faith even when I don't give you the answer you want journey was never promised to be easy but the greatest promise is you never to go on it alone because you have a savior who loves you who died for you let's pray god father we know there's doubt in this room we know there's hurt in this room maybe deep in our souls god and i just pray over each and every person today that they feel your love they feel your comfort they feel your warmth i don't know what everybody's going through god I'm so thankful they don't have to do it alone. Although we don't always understand. We don't always get what you're doing. And sometimes we desperately want a yes when it's a no. And we want to know when it's a yes. But God, help us trust you 
even in spite of your answers, God. Maybe the hardest thing we do. But so right now we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing. We're gonna stand in your presence and worship you because you're the Father who loves us. It's your name we pray, amen.